Bread in it is God ordained, and that God we can learn so much uh, from what's gone before, and that you haven't wasted what you put there. And, and books like Leviticus teach us a lot about who you are, and that you are always looking to provide for us, and that you're always looking to make a way. And I just pray that tonight, that the words that I speak out of your word, Lord, that you will speak what you want to into the people's hearts and people's minds tonight. I pray that what they hear is blessed, and uh, God, even more so, that it's applied. And that God, that you, because you are alive, you are here right now, and I just pray that you will have your way. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I, uh, I'm going to preach tonight, which is good. Who's ready to take some notes? Yes, they've got some people. I, uh, I love taking notes, and I've, uh, I've moved over to my phone, um, and I felt actually quite bad about doing that, but I, I must admit it is good because it makes it easier to access. And I still have boxes of these notebooks that I've used over the years that have this great stuff in it. I sort of think it's kind of wasted there um, when it's not on my phone, but I'd encourage you to take notes anytime you hear the Word of God because you know what? Uh, sometimes... I find that, that God speaks to me and, and I, I miss it almost or, or, or I catch part of it and I think I just wish I could, what was it that Jesse was trying to say last week? What was that thing that, that sort of, you know, am I reminded of? So I'd always encourage you, it's a good idea um, to take notes. And so if you are taking notes, my, my title tonight is Get Out of the Boat. Get Out of the Boat. Um, I'm going to be reading from Matthew 14, and uh, I feel like I need to, uh, to set the scene a little bit. You know, Matthew 14 is a really interesting chapter. We see some, some really interesting stories. We start with John the Baptist getting beheaded, and uh, not a very nice story. And but a really interesting story that is in the Bible, and it talks about how... Um, anyway, go read it if you haven't read it before. Not right now. Read a bit later. Uh, it's really interesting. But Jesus gets sad. His cousin, John the Baptist, has been killed. And, uh, and so Jesus is sad, and it says that he goes off to be alone in the wilderness. It then immediately says that 5,000 people at least follow him <laughs> into the wilderness. And so Jesus is trying to get that moment to himself. My, uh, my, I am not an introvert, but my wife is, and she often talks about how she just wants a couple of minutes of peace, and it just evades her. The rest of us follow her around here and there. I could just imagine Jesus trying to get that moment, and, uh, and of course, he's Jesus, and everyone wants to be around Jesus. And so they follow him. And we get the story, too, that he heals them, and he teaches them, and then the, the disciples realize they're in the middle of nowhere and said, Jesus, what are we going to do? And, uh, and so Jesus ends up saying, well, you know, you've got Jesus here, so let's, let's pray and, and God will do a miracle. And he does, and he feeds the 5,000. And we get this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And then we come to this point in Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, so Jesus feeds the 5,000. Immediately. I find that interesting. Immediately. Because Jesus has been longing to be alone. And... Uh, I find that just interesting to th ponder on. Jesus. You know, sometimes we forget that actually when he lived here on earth, he experienced the same sort of things that we experience. He gets that feeling. Isn't that, like, doesn't that kind of blow your mind? That the God of the universe can be kind of moved and, and want to be alone 
and spend time with God. And anyway, so immediately, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. I like this because I was thinking about the, um, if you, who was at Greater Conference? How awesome was it? I've been thinking over so much from that conference. But Pastor uh, Paul on Sunday morning, he shares this idea and he talks about how Jesus did the miracles in front of the crowds and the crowds saw the miracles, but only the disciples follow him up the mountain. And he said, sometimes you're looking for your miracle and Jesus says, you're not getting your miracle because you're my disciple. I want you to follow me. I want you to delve in deeper. I want you to come with me on this journey. But tonight, sorry, or in this time when Jesus is with his disciples, he says, no, I don't want you to follow me right now. I know you will follow me anywhere. So I'm going to get rid of you. I'm going to make you go across, uh, get in a boat and go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And then it says, Jesus dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside himself, by himself to pray. So he actually wants this time. He gets rid of the crowds. He gets rid of his disciples and he goes up and spends time one-on-one with God. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already, already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Isn't that so nonchalant? Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. That's just, yeah. That's weird. That's freaky. Actually, even in the time, the Jews kind of made fun of people that believe that like Xerxes walked on water. They said it's impossible. And so even then, it's sort of, it's a a kind of big deal. It's literally impossible. You can't have control over the ways, but Jesus does. Sorry, I'm getting myself sidetracked and excited by the word of God. It's good, isn't it? Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind... He was afraid and began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, there's that word again, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. I love that end. Truly, you are the Son of God. I almost feel like that's like a da moment. Jesus just been walking on water. He's still walking on water. But truly, you are the Son of God. You see, I believe that God has called all of us um, into a, 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 a mission with Him. I believe that God actually kind of has the same call on all of us. Go and make disciples of all nations, helping them to walk abundant, fruitful, and everlasting lives. Go and actually make a difference in your world. And how you do that might look different. But go and do that. And so this verse, I feel like um, I kind of I get that idea. And so I'm going to quickly preach a message. I was telling Sarah that originally this message had one point, And so all of you are really excited. Um, 
but you know, my wife today said, no, you need more on your page. She's stressed out that I only had like half a page of notes. And so I fleshed it out a bit. But I was still going to say all this stuff. But, you know, Jesus talks in parables. He tells these stories. And, and he did this with his disciples. And I like to read the Bible sometimes with stories like this, like that he'd set this up to be a parable for us today. You know, this thing really happened. You know, this is, is not a parable in itself, but for us, we can actually take things out of it just like we would a parable. And so the first thing I want to take out of this uh, little section of text is to go. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Go where God tells you to go. You know, this is that first step of faith that actually believing that God has called you to go somewhere and to actually go there. Have you ever felt like you're, um, you kind of go, how, did I, how on earth did I end up in this job? Has anyone ever had that feeling? How on earth did I ever end up at this school? Maybe not right now, maybe it's at another part. How on earth, why on earth did I end up with this family? Um, oh, not so many laughs, that was just me. You know, I believe that God knows everything. And so he puts you in a family for a purpose, for a reason. And God wants you to be where you are. You know, I, I grew up, my parents uh, got divorced. I, I, I learned lots of things not to do from them. But I believe that God put me in that family for a reason. And that actually the things that I learned not to do, the things that I learned to do, the strength that I pulled out of, you know, the things that went wrong, the strength I pulled out of the things that went right, were all on purpose for me to come to a point where God could actually use me to do something for his kingdom. But not just something, you know, he's actually kind of got this story written. And even though I can't see it, I've got to believe that God's got me in certain positions at certain times for certain reasons. You know, and sometimes that's more obvious than others. I think about, I'm a teacher now, don't switch off. Um, I used to work in finance, really don't switch off. And I went for this um, promotion and, and, and in the promotion, I'm talking about just what matters to me. And uh, I had an ex-boss that was there and her name was Lana and she comes to me afterwards and says, do you actually want this promotion? I was thinking, yeah, it's heaps of money, of course I want this promotion. And she said, the way you talk about church, the way you talk about volunteering, the way you talk about young people, like that's what you care about. You don't actually care about money. I thought, you know what, she's right. And she's like, why? so why are you here? And I had that moment of why, why am I here? And it was almost like God started something in me in that little spark of a moment. And actually, it was very quick. By that, uh, the following Monday, I had turned down the job and had applied for uni to go to study to be teacher. And it was like that quick. But it was this just, it just dawned on me that God, you know, it was like, what am I kind of doing here? But you know, my time in that place, I do not regret at all. I do not think I was, it was a mistake. It's worse because my mom had told me right through school, Kim, you make such a good history teacher. You make such a good history teacher. And I hate that I proved my mom right. Well, I don't know if I'm any good, but I hate that I proved her right and I listened. And, and now I'm a history teacher. I didn't go to uni until I was 25. I feel like I was trying to prove her wrong. But you know what? I think about it. My time there. I got to spend time with some, uh, some people that I'm still in contact with. I got to, I love, I actually, I, I'm not like, 
a lot of Christians. I love working with non-Christians. I kind of hate that I work in a Christian school sometimes. Although thankfully, you know, a lot of the students aren't Christians. Um, and so, you know, speaking to that, but I loved it. I loved being able to speak life. I loved being the weird guy. I love them asking me questions about why do you do that? You know, how come? Why do you do that? And, and I felt like I actually learned lots of things that have helped me in my time now. I often refer to my time in, in the business world in a way that, you know, maybe if I went to teaching straight out of school, I might not have been able to do in the same way. And so be where you are. You know, I still have contact with um, one of the sons of a lady I used to work with because we kind of made a connection. And I'm still able to talk into his life. Biggest problem is he's a manly fan. But besides that, he's actually a pretty good young man. And, and, and being able to speak into his life is, is something that came out of that. So be where you are. You know, we use the word frontiers. You know, this idea that actually our world, we're not here by mistake. And so we start to think about those places where we go to that God maybe doesn't, uh, isn't as obviously there, then we, we're actually taking God with us into those places. And so the first step, and it takes faith, is we have to go where God tells us to go. And when we go there, go intentionally. Go into that spot, trusting that God's with you. Verse 23 and 24. After he had dismissed them, this is Jesus. He went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already, already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. Sometimes we find it hard to picture what life would be like without Jesus. Does anyone, is anyone else like that? You think, where, literally, where would my life be without Jesus? I know that is so true for me. And, and I think, where would it be? But for the disciples, they don't know of a Jesus that isn't physically there. You know, we, we kind of know of a Jesus that exists beyond our physical boundaries. And so they are out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee by themselves with big waves and wind coming against them without Jesus. You know, there's another great story about Jesus settling the storm. And we, we, there's this great analogy, you know, it's better to have Jesus in the boat in the middle of a storm than be on the flat seas without Jesus. Well, they're kind of in the middle of a storm without Jesus. At least that's what they perceive. But see, I think here they need to realize something. They've already seen God's miracles. They've already seen that Jesus is the Son of God. They need to remember that they've gone on the word of Jesus. You see, it's good to go where God tells you to do. Here's one for you, Evie. It's gooder to have faith when you don't see Jesus, uh, when you don't actually see Jesus in that space. You see, it's good to go where Jesus tells you to go. It's good to go where God tells you to go. But it's even better to have faith when you cannot see Jesus in your situation. You see, they're sent out into the sea. They're sent out into this place and they've got the wind and the waves coming against them. And they, they, their first thought is to freak out. So much so that when they see something off in the distance, they freak out and think there's a ghost coming as well. Poseidon has come against them. We need to not just give up on what God's told us to do because we cannot see what God is doing. 
I think about the great heroes of the Bible, Joseph, he's in jail. And how is he ever going to see that, that that thing that God told him to go? He said, you are going to be this great ruler that people are going to bow down. You're going to be the salvation of your family. And I'm stuck in a stinking jail. But what did he do? Why do we read about him? Because he had faith. What about Mary who gets told, you're going to be impregnated by, by my spirit and you're going to have a child and he's going to save the world. How do you feel about that 14-year-olds? How do you reckon your mom would take that one? But what does she do? She has faith that God will do what he will say he will do. I think about all of these great heroes of the Bible, that they, got given their, they get given their call. And then they go through this time where they, they don't necessarily see how God's going to make it work. Back to Greater Conference, Pastor Rick preached an amazing message on, on Abraham and, and the call of God that's on him. And, and they come to the point where they actually try and make it happen themselves. You know, I can't see what God's doing. It's a, I can't see how God could possibly do it. So let's try and do it ourselves. And so I, loved, I love that message. And for me, it's a real life sort of changing message. This idea that actually if we try and make it happen in our own strength, all we do is create ourselves some problems. But actually if we let God do it in His strength and we trust Him and we're faithful with Him, even when it's impossible to us, that is where the fruitful, abundant life comes from. So it's good to go where God tells you, but it's good to have faith. And the whole reason I'm saying this is because we're not called to the good. We're not called to the gooder, but we're actually called to the greater. So what is the greater that is on our church? I just want one more point. Pastor Rick shared, and I feel like I'm stealing everyone else's messages. Um, Sorry about that. But he shared this kind of word a little while ago about how he's kind of sick of being in the waves. And that kind of rung true with me very much so. But now I'm preaching about the waves. And so, you know, it's a bit of a worry. But I think that he's talking about how we can get so caught up in the feelings of woe and misery and and trusting God. And it's almost like we depress ourselves because of the things that are coming against us instead of glorifying the God that is above the waves, that is above all of this, that has called us to make a difference in our world. And so we can get so stuck up in our circumstances that we forget to look up at at our God and trust that He wants to do something with us. You know what's interesting about this story is the disciples are exactly where Jesus wants them to be. Those waves aren't from the devil. I think too often we give him too much credit. And I do not want to, I do not want to weaken him. I do not want us to, to just think it's frivolous because I do know that the enemy does come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I think too often we have one lie spoken at one moment. And instead of it robbing us for one moment, we let it rob us for years. Instead of speaking truth and life and hope and, and the strength that comes from Jesus into that thing, We hold on to that and let it rob us for years. We let our own self get in the way of what God wants to do. And so sometimes the waves aren't a sign that the enemy is coming against you. Maybe they're just a sign that you're exactly where Jesus wants you to be. You cannot honor God without faith. And you cannot have faith unless you have something that's 
that you need to believe for redemption or saving from. In a, I love reading um, Matthew Henry's commentaries on, on a lot of things, but a uh, little, little plug here. If you don't use blueletterbible.org, it's a really good Bible app on your desktop, and it's got lots of, like, it's got heaps of Spurgeon stuff in there too. But he says this great line about this, uh, these verses. He says, The strongest faith and the greatest courage have a mixture of fear. You actually can't have courage. And I would argue you can't have faith unless there is a little bit of fear mixed in there. Because if you don't have fear, then what do you have to be courageous about? If you don't have fear, what do you have to have faith to believe God for? If there isn't a wave coming against you, if you're out on the still, calm ocean, what are you trusting God for? I just want to say it one more time. Good. Go and do what God says. Gooder. Have faith. Even when Jesus isn't as obvious, in, in you don't understand what Jesus is doing. But both of these things can be the gr- enemy of the greater. You see, verse 28. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus says. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. You see, Peter was on the water for this moment. I think that God had told him to go ahead. He's actually said, your mission is to get to the other side. They haven't got there yet. They haven't completed the mission. But God comes in and intervenes in what he's doing. I, uh, this, this story, or at least parts of this story, are also in John and Mark. And I love in Mark, it says that Jesus is walking by. Jesus isn't even walking to the ship, but to the boat. He's walking by. And uh, they spot him and get freaked out. And I, I love that kind of picture that Jesus is just going to meet them on the other side. But see, Peter... He sees a moment. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't tell him to come first. He says, hey, Lord, Lord, if you want me to come, just say it and I'll come. And Jesus says, come. There's one sort of faith to do what God has told you to do. There's a very different faith to believe God that you can do the impossible. They could row a boat across the ocean or across the sea. You can work in an environment with Christians and non-Christians and people. You can even be a good person in that time. You can even, you know, speak life into those situations. But I believe sometimes God's actually telling us to believe for more. To believe that God has actually put us there for something more. And he's saying, you know, who's going to step out? All the called, few are chosen. The workers, the, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. I think God's looking out for people that are willing to, um, you know, you've got that little bit of fear in the go. You probably have a little bit more fear or a little bit more hesitation. Fear is not a good word because perfect love drives out all fear. But hesitation because of what's going on in your circumstances. We've got worry about the people back in the boat. 
what they might say about us. You know, how, how arrogant is he to think that he can go do that thing for Jesus? How, like as if, as if, like Jesus is Jesus, he can walk on water if he wants to, but you're not going to be able to. You know, you know, it's one thing for Jesse to uh, go and speak to young people at school about Jesus and the life-changing person that he is, but you can't really do that. It's one thing for, you know, these, these guys in, in other countries and other times to pray for someone that was broken leg and trust that God's actually going to heal it. You couldn't do that. You know, sometimes we've got to deal with, with people that are meant to have our backs kind of saying things against us too. But you know what? I think that all of that is actually good because it builds in us a faith that we actually need to get out of our comfort zone, that we need to actually get to the point that we get out of the boat, that we actually say to God, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, just ask it and I'll do it. Actually, you know what? Even more so, God, if this is what you want me to do, then just say it and I will do it. You see how that's a little bit different? You see how that's actually requiring me to use the, the, the stuff that I've learned, the wisdom that I've learned, the trust that I've learned in God? It's a bit like what I said before about Leviticus being the meat you know, if we, we start as baby Christians and we're drinking the milk, it's being fed to us. It gets to a point where we actually need to chew on some meat for a while and develop a deeper understanding and a deeper understanding of who God is and what He's got for us. But you know what? When we get there, all of a sudden, it's not good enough for us to be doing what God, you know, kind of told us to do generally. It's become something that we want to take part in the adventure with Jesus that we actually want to get out and do the impossible with Jesus. It takes a part, it starts to realize that actually God's put in, in us a, 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 a future and a hope, but it's not for me to sit back in my, with my mates in the boat, the other disciples, and talk about how good it is that God just fed the 5,000. Actually, God's calling me to step out and do the impossible with Him. I'm going to ask the band to come up a bit earlier. I've still got a little bit to say, but if you could come up, Ben, that'd be awesome. You know, I started to think about people that do this, and immediately my mind went to Ben and Theta. Like, I think they're awesome. I remember sitting in their, in their lounge room or downstairs room in McGrath's Hill there and, and talking about youth stuff and what was going on here. And, and, and I often think back to that and think, how did they pull their family out of this nice, comfortable place in Australia and, and take themselves across to Cambodia and, and, and to a totally different world, a totally different culture. How do they do that? And I think about them stepping out of the boat and trusting God. But then I started to think about other things a little bit closer to home too. I was reminded of a, a young um, girl at, at my school and and uh, she was sharing a testimony and what God's kind of been doing in her, in her world. And when she came to our school, she, she refused to do speeches or anything. Um, she knew God, but she just had had a bit of a rough trot. And, and anyway, we were doing this um, series on testimonies and stories. And, and I just said to her, like, you have such a powerful story. Do you think you'd be able to share it? And she got up in front of our school and just shared a testimony about what God had done for her. I think, you know what, that's getting out of the boat. That's actually choosing 
you know what, we're in our frontier, we're living our best lives as Christians, but that's, that's actually stepping out and choosing to do something intentional, to take, trust the call of God that He will not let us sink. You know, I was thinking about um, another kid, uh, kind of even more, I guess, basic in some ways than that, but we had a new boy come into our school. And this boy had been uh, in a unit, um, and so he had, he had some quite severe learning difficulties in some ways, but he didn't have disabilities or, or things that really warranted him being in a unit. But the, mor- the first morning he came, this other young boy came up to me and said, Sir, sir, can I look after him? And I said, sure, why is that? And he said, oh, I, just, I just know what it's like to be the new kid. I just know what it's like to just feel like so weird that you're here and, and, and feel like you're being looked at by everyone. And he went and asked all the teachers, could I sit next to him for the whole day? And uh, I just thought, you know what, that's, that's actually choosing to be uncomfortable. He could have left it and trusted that the teachers would look after this kid, but instead he was proactive and he got out of the boat. You know, I think that as Christians, we too often are trying to fit in with the world and God says, no, no, be different. You know, people are shocked when, uh, when we had our two beautiful kids. They were shocked that people would come and deliver food to us. And it actually became a uh, witness to, to Amy's other friends that actually, you know what? We, we, there are communities where you don't do things alone anymore. You know, there are, that we, we need to live in a way that people ask questions. When I worked in England, I, uh, I had this lady, and her name's Carolyn, and, and everything just kind of fell apart. And she said, why are you just so at peace? And knowing that she was an atheist, I said, because I, I very much believe in someone you very much don't believe in. But I was able to step out and sort of be uncomfortable. I like to start awkward conversations with her quite regularly. She actually was uh, trying to write a thesis about, about some of that stuff. It was really interesting. But, you know, sometimes we try and be too much like the world, but the God, God has told us we're not to be, of the, we're meant to be in the world, but we're meant to be transformed by Him. And if we're being transformed by the only perfect person that ever lived and we're trying to become more like Him, as, as little Christians, we're trying to reflect Him, we should look different. Our world is not in a good place and we, we should be making it better. My encouragement for us to get out of the boat is only two things can happen. The first we see in verse 29. And if we think about the boat behind us, we think about the people, we're jumping out of the boat, we're stepping into the waves. You know, and sometimes I think about it like the picture books when you're a kid and like Jesus is just on the edge of the boat and he's there with his nice like smiley face, his hair's perfect. And I think that can't be right because he says the wind is buffeting, the waves are flowing, that Peter, his like best mate, doesn't even recognize who it is. He must be a long way off. They must be ducking down under the waves. And then they come back up and they catch a glimpse. They think it's a ghost. They're scared of it. And Jesus calls out across the waves, take courage. I am here. And Peter says, if it's really you, say, come and I will come. And the waves are still flowing. We know that because we find out later when Jesus stills it, the waves are flowing, the wind is blowing. It's not some like pure, perfect ice skating rink. Peter's climbing up and over the waves. 
And as he goes, he's stepping and he's seeing the miraculous power of God literally at work in his life. And this is the first thing that happens if you choose to get out of the boat and choose to go, God, if you say come, I will come. God, I've got this idea. If you say do it, I will do it. You know what? If we do it, the first thing, the thing that's likely going to happen is that every person on that boat is going to see you walk on water, is going to see you do the miraculous, is going to see you do the impossible because Jesus is with you. Matthew Henry says, Christ bid him to come. Not only that he might walk upon water and so know Christ's true power, but also that he might sink and so know his own weakness. For as he would encourage his faith, faith, so he would check his own confidence in himself. You see, if you... If you step out of the boat and trust God for the miraculous, two things can happen. The first thing is that you see the miraculous happen in your life. And actually God blesses it. Jesus comes into that situation. And I think in, in, if we're taking this parable into our, life, into our world, people's lives are changed. God's, tr- God's strength and hope and love that you enjoy is enjoyed by others. But the second thing is, and for any of us that have had to walk a journey of faith for any extended period of time, is that we start to notice the wind and the waves. And I often think about that, uh, I'm showing my age here, but that old DC Talk song, What If I Stumble? Does anyone know it? Do you want to sing it? My wife told me I'm not allowed to sing it. It says, what if I stumble? What if I fall? What if I lose myself? And, and, and I've lost it now. And I make fools of us all. Will your love continue if my walk becomes a crawl? What if I stumble? What if I fall? But I think too often as Christians, we think, what if I, what if I, what if I, what if I? And Jesus says, don't you anything. I have called you to walk upon the water. It's by my strength that you do the impossible. But you know what? When we do try and do it in our strength, that is where we sink. And I don't picture like this kind of like slow sinking, like Princess Bride in the, uh, in the swamp. This slow sinking into the water. I picture Peter diving under the water straight away. Because he's lost that faith. He starts to notice the faith. But you know what he does? As he sinks into the water, he says, Jesus! And the Word tells us. He says, Jesus, save me. Immediately, immediately, that split second Jesus is there and he saves him. He pulls him up and he sets him back on the water. Do you know what those people see that are in your life if you fail at doing the impossible? If you call in the name of Jesus, they see Jesus do the impossible. They see Him pull you out of despair, pull you out of hurt, pull you out of brokenness. They see you get pulled out of whatever you're in. And Jesus sets you back on solid ground. You see, when we get out of the boat and we trust Jesus, impossible happens. 
Reach out to Jesus, verse 30 and 31. Jesus reached out and caught him. We can read it so passively. But I know in my life, when Jesus reached out and caught me, it's not really passive. It's true, Neve. You know, I'm going to ask the guys to sing a song. We've got a little bit of time. But what I want us to do tonight is I don't want us to focus on the waves. I don't want us to focus on the circumstances. And I know it's hard sometimes. But you see, what happens, the waves come. He walks on water. He notices the waves. He sinks. He calls on Jesus. Verse 32, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Do you know that we get so fearful about stepping out for God? Because we see those waves. And sometimes we can feel so at unease, so restless in our spirit. We can feel like there's so much going on that we can't actually step out for God. But sometimes the very thing that brings that peace is stepping out towards God and what He's got. Stepping out and believing that the God that, that says these things about you is telling the truth. It's actually stepping out on top of the waves and being a conqueror over them, walking to Jesus. Because it's Jesus that stills those circumstances. And so I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to pray. But tonight as they sing, as we sing, if you feel that God, if you feel that you just want to say to God, you know what? If that's really you, tell me to come and I will come. If you want to say to God, I'm in this boat, you know, I'm in this church, I'm in this place, I'm in this small group, I'm in this family, I'm in this school, I'm in this workplace, and God, if you want me to step out, I will. Then I just want you to come up the front here and worship God and say, I'm here. If our leaders want to pray, they're more than welcome if they, they feel like they've got a word for someone. But real simple. I don't actually want a lot of razzle-dazzle. She <laughs> a word even older than me. Because it's between you and God. Because you, you're the only one that knows what's going on in your life. You're the only one in this room that really knows what's happening in your heart. But there is another one. And his name is Jesus. And if you just feel like you're saying, God, if you want me to come, tell me now and I'll step out, then I just want you to come up and worship God and, and we might pray with you. But let's just bow our heads and pray. God, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. I think it's alive. And I thank you, Lord, that, you know, even though, though I spoke words out of my mouth tonight, Lord, I pray that some people heard words from your lips, Lord. And God, I just pray for the circumstances that people are facing right now. And God, I, I don't want to diminish them because you know what? We live in a sinful world and, and terrible things happen. But God, I want to thank you that you are bigger than, than anything we can ever face.
And I pray, Lord God, for a generation to rise that says, you know what? I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want to just kind of go and do the least I can do to be a Christian. But God, instead, they want to truly reflect who you are. I pray that we have a, a generation of people that rise up and say, God, if you call me, I will go. God, I'm about to step out into, into the impossible. God, if I know you're with me, I can do it. And so, God, I pray over each person here tonight. I pray, God, that you are speaking to them, and I pray that they hear you. And, God, I pray that you are calling them out and calling them out into impossible things. But, God, that you show them that you are with them forever. And that, God, that as they step into their different frontiers, that, God, that, that they will have faith in that, that, God, that even in the times where they can't really see how you're working, they will trust that you are. And that, God, when there is the opportunity to see your miraculous power at work in their lives, when there is the opportunity to speak life and truth and hope into those around them, Lord God, that they will be ready and ready to go. And, God, that they will intentionally look for opportunities to step out and step into all that you have for them. And, God, I just pray tonight as we worship you, that, Lord God, that you, you reveal more and more of your love to us and the truth that you will never let us go. In your son's name we pray. Amen.